listener production. Hey, Tom Tilly with you. Thank you so much for listening to The Briefing. We're always keen to grow the audience, grow the briefing community. So if you like The Briefing and you haven't subscribed yet, hit subscribe in the app that you're listening to us in. And if you are already subscribed, we'd love you to help us out with a rating and review, whether that's in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whichever app you're listening to. Yeah, and we've also been told that a lot of you are listening as you're commuting or even maybe doing your morning exercise. Go you! All kinds of things. That is the absolute beauty of podcasting. We love seeing what you're doing while you're listening to the briefing. So post a photo of yourself on your Instagram story of where you are right now, as long as it's not too inappropriate, um, listening to the briefing and please tag us. All right, we've got a very interesting briefing today, Katrina. Killer whales have sunk three boats off the coast of Europe and appear to be teaching other whales to do the same. I love stories about animals just doing incredibly smart things. Over the past three years, killer whales, known as orcas, have been deliberately ramming into boats off the coast of Spain and Portugal. If you couldn't quite understand that, he was saying the rudder is gone, the rudder is gone. Um, There's eight to 10 orcas around the boat. We're not taking on water yet. So intense scenes there, quite dangerous. It's estimated there's been hundreds of recorded encounters between boats and orcas in this part of the ocean since 2020. And scientists can't work out why it's happening. There are a number of sort of plausible speculations. One is that this older female had a particularly traumatic interaction with the boats uh, at some point in, in their life and is working that out with this kind of behaviour. The fight between whales and boats in the Atlantic. That's coming up in a moment. But first, here are today's headlines. It is Tuesday, the 13th of June. We'll go first to the horror bus crash in the Hunter Valley. The 58-year-old driver will be facing court today. Brett Button is charged with 10 counts of dangerous driving, occasioning death, as well as negligent driving. We all know now that bus was coming back from a wedding with 36 people on board when it rolled at a roundabout, killing 10 people. 21 others are still in hospital. One of them is in a critical condition. I think as a nation, our collective hearts sank when we heard that news. Yeah, absolutely. What a horrific story for the whole nation to wake up to on Sunday morning and anyone who knows anyone connected to this wedding. Just devastating. So lots of the guests were from the nearby town of Singleton, where the couple were part of the local Aussie rules team and guests to the wedding had traveled from as far as Queensland and Victoria. This is being called the most deadly road accident since 1994. The worst bus crashes were actually a few years earlier in 1989. I was reading about this. Two coaches collided head on. Um, one of the drivers fell asleep. They were packed with tourists heading either to Sydney or Brisbane and they collided on the Pacific Highway, um, killing 35 people uh, just days before Christmas time. So devastating. And a lot of seatbelt rules were reviewed then and and I guess that's going to be one of the things they look at now, not just how fast that bus was going, but how many people were wearing seatbelts and, and other safety considerations. And bad news for supporters of the Indigenous Voice to Parliament. Um, polling is showing that support has fallen below a majority. So 
if that polling was to play out on the day when we have the referendum, the voice would get knocked back. This is the latest Resolve poll. It shows that only 49% of voters support the voice. Um, and it's the third month in a row that support has declined. Yeah, drilling down into um, this poll is pretty interesting. Voters in Queensland, Western Australia and South Australia are leading the no case. The most support can be found in the state of Victoria. 56% of voters in Victoria are still planning to tick yes. Yeah, the poll also showed that people that are voting no are pretty rusted on to that view and people in the yes camp are wavering. So that raises Mm. questions about the level of detail and how much information people have about the voice. This will be the subject of a lot of debate in Parliament. It sits for the next two weeks, both the House of Reps and the Senate. They'll be debating the referendum legislation. Um, So um, it's expected that should be passed. The other issue that's going to dominate or potentially distract in federal politics, depending how you look at it, is the fallout from the Higgins-Lerman controversy. So the opposition is um, going very hard on this. They're demanding more detail about what Finance Minister Katie Gallagher knew before the story hit the media. She has denied misleading Parliament when she said no one from Labor knew anything before it was public. Um, Over the weekend, she was forced to admit that she did have some knowledge, um, Mm. but not all but denies misleading Parliament. So she's going to be hammered over that in Senate question time today. Oh, yes. Former US President Donald Trump is facing court today in Miami, where he'll be arraigned over 37 felony charges related to the mishandling of classified documents. It marks the Justice Department's first official confirmation of a criminal case against Trump linked to hundreds and hundreds of files at his Florida mansion. As far as the joke of an indictment, it's a horrible thing. It's a horrible thing for this country. I mean, the only good thing about it is it's driven my poll numbers way up. Can you believe that? Oh, that was Trump at a rally in Georgia over the weekend. And yeah, I mean, his supporters, they believe what Trump is telling them about this being some kind of witch hunt. They're camping out. So they're planning to rally uh, when he makes that courthouse appearance today. The photos of all those boxes of files at Mar-a-Lago that came out over the weekend were just extraordinary, you know, stored in the toilet, um, stored on the stage in the ballroom. And these were things like military secrets and um, information about nuclear mm. weapons. Yeah, so Trump's saying that he'll keep campaigning for president even if he's convicted. And these charges could carry jail time. So the Trump story just goes from crazy to crazier and he keeps getting more and more attention fueling his campaign. And the former Italian Prime Minister, Silvio Berlusconi, has died, aged 86. He was the longest serving Prime Minister in the post-war era, holding office four times between 94 and 2011. Um, He's been treated for lung infection linked to leukemia. He was a very interesting and divisive figure. Um, well known for his business acumen, um, but his critics hated his disregard for the rule of law, um, which is not really something you want from your prime minister. No, definitely not. And uh, I guess he became pretty infamous for those bunga bunga mm. sex parties. Sounds funny, kind of wasn't. They were parties involving prostitutes, some of them underage. So yeah, mm. pretty gross. 
And Novak Djokovic has gone into the history books as the best men's tennis player ever. He has won the most grand slams of all time after winning the French Open, which takes him to 23 grand slams. Every single player dreams of being in this stage and winning the trophy at least once in their career. I am beyond uh, fortunate in my life to, to win 23 times grand slams. Uh, it's, it's an incredible... <laughs> Incredible feeling. Oh my gosh, imagine that. Uh, it's so close. So Nadal's on 22. Serena Williams is also on 23. And Margaret Court, bring it in for Margaret Court, 24. Yeah, so he's got a way to topple Margaret Court, but I think he will win more Grand Slams and he'll extend that lead on Nadal. He's still fit and in fantastic form. And he's obviously a few years younger than Nadal as well. All right, Tom, Jan Fran's about to jump in on this fascinating topic about the battle between killer whales and boats off the coast of Europe. What's with killer whales sinking boats? I know it sounds like the beginning of a terrible stand-up routine, doesn't it? But I can assure you this is something that has been happening in and around the Iberian Peninsula recently. That's off the coast of Spain and Portugal. And scientists... Well, they don't really know why, but there are a few theories emerging. And to talk us through them, I'm joined by Luke Rendell. He researches behaviour and communication among marine mammals at the University of St Andrews in Scotland. He joins me now, very fittingly, from a boat. Luke, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on the briefing. Paint us a picture of this scenario. Uh, what are the encounters? Where are they happening and how often? So this started in uh, 2020, actually, um, off the southwestern sort of tip of the Iberian Peninsula, which is where Spain and Portugal are in Europe. Uh, and since then, uh, there have been um, a number of incidents, in fact, over 50 uh, reported along the Portuguese and Spanish coasts of uh, orcas, killer whales, interacting with attacking and damaging and sometimes even sinking small, predominantly sailing vessels and occasionally small fishing vessels as well. And so what do these encounters look like when we sort of say encounters or incidents or attacks? What does it actually look like? What are the whales doing? So the way it usually happens is that the whales kind of approach the boat, they detect it in some way, and then they seem uh, particularly focused on interacting with the rudder, the, the bit of the boat that sticks down into the water that allows the boat to be steered. And typically they ram it, they, they hit it, and sometimes try and take it in their mouths and chew on it. And, and some designs of boat seem to get attacked a lot more than others. In particular, there's a type of rudder called a spade rudder, which is a bit like a lollipop on a stick with the stick sticks up through the hull uh, of the yacht. That They seem to be um, particularly focused on that type of rudder. And, and that, if it gets damaged sufficiently, because it goes through a hole in the hull, ends up sort of compromising the integrity of the hull and has actually led in a couple of instances to the to the vessel sinking. And is it normally one orca or killer whale? Is it a group? Is it a big group, a small group? How many are we talking? So, yeah, my, my colleagues in Spain have collated all the uh, uh, reports of this these types of interactions and they seem to come down to basically one social group, in particular one uh female, one older female who's been given the name Gladys Blanca, and members of her matrilineal, so killer whales live in sort of matrilineal 
social units that are all related through the maternal line. And some of her sons and grandsons, particularly young males, seem to be engaging in it as well. But it's a very small number of animals, and it's and it's really only been ever seen in this particular area. So one of the things that seems pretty clear is that it's a specific behavior to this group. And we think that it started with this older individual and has since spread through the group um, by a process that we call social learning, which is when animals learn behaviors from each other. Okay, so you mentioned that it's sort of happening with one particular group in one particular area. I guess, I mean, the burning question is, why? Yeah, that's a great question. And there are a number of sort of plausible speculations. One is that this older female had a particularly traumatic interaction with the boats uh, at some point in, in their life and is working that out with this kind of behaviour. Um, another is that perhaps they are um, somewhat pressured ecologically. This, this population is known to feed on tuna, and obviously we fish tuna as well. So if the availability of tuna is going down, they may feel pressured to explore other potential food sources, which they would do with this kind of curiosity-driven interaction with things in their environment. And the other sort of plausible explanation is that it's simply what we would call a fad. So there's a really interesting story of a pod of killer whales off British Columbia, part of the southern resident community. We went through a couple of years of individuals in that group being seen carrying dead salmon on their head, and nobody ever figured out why they did it. They did it for a few years, and then they appeared to have stopped, and then occasionally they, they did it after that, but it wasn't a big part of their behaviour. And we, we can only really understand that as a, as a sort of temporary fad, something they did for a while because they were into it, but because it didn't lead to long-term rewards, actually ended up being extinguished in that pod. So that's what it looks like to me, and to me that's the most sort of plausible explanation, that you have an animal that has learned to exploit a variety of different niches uh, within its habitat range, and it's done that by this kind of curiosity-driven interaction with things in its environment. Sometimes that just becomes a behaviour that lasts for a while but isn't rewarded and then disappears, and sometimes it develops into a new feeding technique. So, for example, in your part of the world, off New Zealand, Killer whales have learned how to feed on stingrays, which have this sort of poisonous sting uh, defense by flipping them upside down and introducing the sort of torpor-like state and also getting that nasty sting out of the way, right? And they would have learned that by just interacting with those animals in their their environment and eventually hitting upon this technique and then thereby opening up a new foraging niche. Mm. You've mentioned the word learning, learnt, social learning quite a bit. What's giving you the impression that this is a process of sort of social learning among the orcas in the Iberian Peninsula? Well, partly because it only occurs there, right? So when animals in one place do a particular thing and animals in other others don't without any obvious ecological reason, there are these kind of boats are sailing in the oceans all around the world, but it's only in this one particular place where we have this behaviour then immediately we start to think that perhaps there's some kind of local learning process going on, just as in human societies, if you grow up in a particular place, you'll learn how to interact with things in that environment. In Australia, you will learn what's poisonous and what you have to avoid, for example, and that's part of your cultural inheritance as an Australian. And in the same way, you know, we think that different groups of killer whales, because they are exposed to different opportunities, will learn different behaviours in order to, to make a living. And then the really powerful thing that they then do is learn from each other. So they, we know that from experiments in captivity, they're very good at copying new behaviours from each other. And um, we think this is what gives rise to the 
very diverse range of foraging strategies that killer whales around the world actually have. So it fits with that process as far as we can see. So would it be fair to say that you've got the the one lead female killer whale, I suppose, that's teaching others how to interact or encounter or attack boats? That's the implication, I think. Um, I think it's very likely that this behaviour started with one individual animal uh, and has since spread through the group because it's very unlikely that of all the killer whales that there are in the world, these six or seven that are implicated in these attacks would spontaneously all have learned this behaviour on their own at the same time and in the same place, right? That's a characteristic signal of animals learning from each other. Whether the older female was the actual originator is speculation, but it seems the most plausible one because it's often the older females in groups who are kind of leading the way in many aspects of killer whale behaviour, where to go, for example. Uh, and then when they're, when they're travelling, we, we have evidence that it's the older females that are in the lead and so the, the other members of the policy to follow them. So by sort of implication, that's where you get this idea that maybe it's this older female that was the originator. Um, whether she's actively teaching the others or whether the others are just seeing her doing this and thinking, you know, or, 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 and responding to it by copying, because that's just what they do. If they see a new behaviour, they, they, they try and copy it because it might be useful. We don't know enough about how they interact and how they learn to say which of those it is. Mm. I'm going to speculate very wildly with no scientific basis whatsoever and say that this is revenge for free willy. <laughs> and for keeping orcas in <laughs> captivity. <laughs> Am I correct? <laughs> uh, you're correct, but it's speculation. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll take the first bit of your answer. You're correct, even though it is absolutely wild <laughs> speculation. Um, you mentioned earlier this is a fad. It's been happening since 2020. Do we have any indication of when or if it might end? Well, this is really the important question, isn't it? Because it creates a big uh, problem having this this interaction. Um, if human lives and livelihoods are being put at risk, there is going to be political pressure uh, to, to, to do something about it. And that's unlikely to end well for these particular individuals. So it would really be better for everybody if this behaviour did kind of disappear on its own. We don't know enough about it to know what the animals are getting out of it. Presumably, if a behaviour is done persistently but obtains no reward, eventually you would expect these animals to kind of move on and, and try and find something more productive to do in terms of you know getting food, for example. But because we don't know enough about the motivations, then it's really hard to say whether that's going to happen, although I think many people are really hoping that it will. Mm. What does it mean for the protection of orcas? Because they are an endangered species. I mean, if this behaviour continues, will it make it harder to protect them or to at least mount a case to be able to do that? Uh, yeah, so this is a, a particularly understudied population anyway. We don't really know how many animals are in it. It's pretty hard to study the killer whales of the Western North Atlantic as a population, if you see what I mean. So we don't know much about their conservation status. It is likely that they are uh, under some pressure from human activity. And of course, when you've got this kind of conflict going on, there are going to be voices out there that are saying, you know, these are animals. We, as human beings, have the right to navigate wherever we want. And if animals get in the way, we, we have the ability and the power to do something about it. For example, exterminating those animals, which is what we've done in the past. So it's quite an important decision you know, that, that, that we've got to make here. Are we going to perhaps introduce some measures or advise these vessels to perhaps not go through these areas for a period of time and see if the behaviour does extinguish? 
as a result, but that would be a big imposition on, on boats that are navigating in these waters and a big call to make for the governments involved. But the alternative is for this to continue. Eventually, um, someone's perhaps going to get more seriously hurt than they have been so far, and that's going to create pressure to, to do something about it, which would almost inevitably include pressure to, to go out and actually exterminate these animals. That's going to be a hugely controversial mm. decision to have to make. Mm. Well, let's hope it doesn't come to that. Dr. Luke Rendell, thank you so much for joining us on The Briefing. You're welcome. That was Luke Rendell talking about orcas and their encounters with various boats in the Iberian Peninsula. And a very good point that he makes with this potentially being a fad and how long the fad will last because it could have some quite negative implications if it continues, particularly if people get hurt. Mm. And watch this space. Listener.